precious, precious, precious people. We greet all of you in Jesus' name. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verses 11 and 12. And behold the acts of Asa, first and last. Lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah in Israel. And Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. So my subject for you to consider today is simply going to be entitled, The Acts of Asa, First and Last. God bless you. You may be seated. Great, great music and worship today. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Trailing all the, the choir, you did a great job. Amen. Nathan with that Chris Stapleton kind of thing going on there. That's better than Tennessee whiskey any day of the, of the year right there. It really is. I know you have no idea who Chris Stapleton is, but uh, it's reminded me a lot of him. But it was, it was nice. It was nice. Usually, I can find out in the Bible how old these people were. I, I can't do this with this guy by the name of Asa. If, if you have a, uh, just a cursory knowledge of the Bible, it's very possible you've heard of something called the 12 tribes of Israel. The, the word Israel is um, it's a very elastic term in the Bible. Because in the beginning, of course, it was just one particular man, Jacob. Jacob wrestled with an angel. His name was changed to Israel. The word, the name Israel means influence with people and power with God. And um, he, he had a lot of kids. And those kids ultimately became extended families. So when you talk about the 12 tribes of Israel, you're, you're really talking about the extended families of, of the sons and a couple grandsons of Jacob. So for a while, Israel is just a man. And then Israel is a federation of 12 extended clans or families. After uh, David, David was followed by his son Solomon. And, <clears throat> and right after that, the kingdom split. Two of these southern families or clans left they, they took the name Judah. The ten northern families and clans, they took the name Israel. That's important because there are four books in the Old Testament that are very similar. First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. And <clears throat> that's why just in this first verse that I read to you, it said, are, are, aren't they all written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? So if you study... Kings and Chronicles, what, what, what you'll learn quickly is one chapter will say, this is the king of Judah, and it'll talk about what happened during his reign. And then the next chapter will say, and this is the king of Israel. And it bounces back and forth. In Israel, 
Um, there, there wasn't one good king. Every one of them were horrible. And it'll say something like, and he did worse than his father before him. It's just, it, it just, you go into the basement and then you dig beneath the basement. It just keeps going down, 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 down. down. Judah had some exceptions. And one of those exceptions is this man that I've read to you about. His name was Asa. I don't know how old he was when he died. What I do know is how long he reigned, 41 years, which is a, a, a very generous reign. And the only way you could do that is if you had peace. And um, um, what, what, if you, you got to read Kings and Chronicles together to piece together the story of this guy. But he's, um, he's, uh, he's David's great-great-grandson. And it, it says he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And um, he, had a, he had a horrible father. No, no, no example whatsoever in his dad. His dad was a very terrible king. But Asa turned out to be a really great king. And, um, and even though he was raised under the influence of a man who turned a lot of people away from serving the Lord, the very first thing he did is he started cleaning house. And he got rid of a lot of perversion and he got rid of a lot of false idols. And um, his grandmother uh, ha had idols. He got rid of those. And um, he's, um, he's in power for 10 years. And uh, a huge army comes out of Africa, out of Ethiopia, to confront him. He's totally outnumbered. He knows he's going to lose. And so... He just prays and says, God, it, you can deliver by many or by few, but I'm totally depending on you because if you don't help us, we're going to be destroyed. And they won. And it was a huge victory. And as soon as that battle was over, one of these unnamed prophets in the Old Testament came up to him and said, if you live like this for the rest of your life, God will be with you. And because of that victory, he, he, the, the country enjoyed 25 more years of peace. And um, it's a very sad commentary because he got sick. He got what we would call gout. And uh, if you've ever, I, I've had a very, very dear friend who suffers from gout. And uh, he, he, he passed recently. Um, I, but I'm, it's a, basically a, a very painful form of arthritis in the joints in your feet. Just acid crystallizes in the joints. It's like walking on glass. Bad news. But when you read this, what you realize is that the disease in his feet <clears throat> was really a reflection of the disease that was in his heart. Because at the beginning of his reign, when he was so outnumbered and overwhelmed, he turned to the Lord and prayed. But now, towards the end of his reign, there's no mention of him seeking God whatsoever. It just said... <clears throat> he just 
depended completely on the physicians. And uh, it says he sought not the Lord. Now, we have a lot of medical people in this church. And I'm grateful for every one of you. Um, We have pretty much the whole gamut in this church. And um, all of the different levels of nursing. We have Sajif, you know, on and on I can go. I, I, I laugh when I hear people make disparaging remarks about how much money doctors make. Let me tell you a little about, about, about doctors. First of all, they have to go to 12 years of regular schooling. Then they've got to go to four more years, which is what you would call a bachelor's. <clears throat> that, if you're lucky, just gets you into medical school, which is four more years after that. So now they've gone to school for 20 years. Now <clears throat> you're looking at three to five years of residency. So. Um, They've spent 25 years of their life in school. Most of them are half a million dollars or more in debt after they get out of residency because residency is 80, 90, sometimes 100 hours a week. Uh, Very common for these people sometimes to be at hospitals two over two days straight without any sleep whatsoever. And um, so to me, they've earned every dime that they get. And, uh, but... They will all agree with me. I, many of you are in this room right now. All of you will agree. It's called the practice of medicine. They're still practicing. It's like house. You know, we'll try this, then we'll try that, and we'll try this, we'll try that. Um, nothing's perfected. There's, 100 years ago, they were putting leeches on people and calling that cutting-edge medicine. I'm convinced. Uh, I don't think we have 100 years but I do believe there will be a time in the future when chemotherapy and radiation will, will look as archaic as leeches do to us now. Because it kills cancer, but it kills everything else. And, um, um, but I, I personally, I, I, I fell from up there. I, that's 50 feet. I fell 50 feet from up there. And I landed there and broke and crushed all kinds of things. I should have died. Um, God spared me, and um, it was from that episode that I developed uh, my, whatever, philosophy that simply says you're indestructible until God's done with you. When God's done with you, as they say, all the king's horses and all the king's men aren't going to put, you know, Humpty Dumpty or Hoffman back together again. It's just, when your number comes up, you're done, Okay. There's not a person in this room of any age that it's very obvious to you, God spared you. You should have been dead. Some of you, multiple times. You should have been dead. Why are you alive? Why have you been spared? I'll give you the answer. It says, all things were created for him and for his pleasure. That's why you're here. Your job in life, if you want fulfillment, I don't care how much money, get all the money you want. And there's nothing wrong with making money. The problem with making money is that indigenous attitude that comes to wealthy people that they think they're better than everybody else. And it's just um, uh, get get all the stuff you want. Live in the snootiest part of town. have, Have the most expensive vehicles. 
wear the finest clothes, eat at the finest restaurants, have all gold cards to every boutique in Somerset, but it's not going to scratch where you itch. There's a God blank inside of every one of us. And if, until it's filled with the Spirit of God, there's going to be a void in our life. That's, that's Bible. <clears throat> that's Bible. When you begin to give God pleasure with your life, you're going to find fulfillment. And because I have a little bit more time, I can explain it to you right now. The Bible said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Not just casually walk away, he'll run from you. Satan is basically lazy. If you put up resistance, he's going to find us because there's a lot of other people that won't resist him. Okay, it's called a familiar spirit. They just let it come in at any time and in any will. <clears throat> but you're not going to resist Satan if you aren't strong. So the next question is, how do I get strong? The answer to that is, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The question then is, what is the joy of the Lord? I know what brings me happiness, and you know what brings you happiness, but what brings Jesus Christ happiness? And, and one, there are many, many ways to explain this, but <clears throat> Jesus told the story about a lost sheep. There was a hundred sheep, 99 of them were safe in the barn, one was lost. It said the good shepherd left the 99 safe in the barn, went looking for the one lost sheep. When he found it, it said he put that sheep on his shoulder and he came back rejoicing. Nothing brings Jesus Christ more joy than when someone who is lost gets found. And that's the answer. You can't resist Satan unless you're strong. If you're going to have strength, you're going to have to figure out what brings God joy. Nothing brings God joy more than when you get away from simply living for yourself and start investing in other people's lives. If you're just stingy and indigenous and an island to yourself and everything that's me, mine, and I, you're going to have a really, really ugly life. But if you learn the beauty of being able to help other people and to be, I have a daughter, I saw a little girl yesterday with a little pair of glasses on. I remember when Ashley was little, we went through nine surgeries on her eyes and they told me she would be blind. And that's not a fun thing to hear when you're a young daddy that your daughter's going to be blind. And again, there's a lot of great advances that were made in optic surgery and now she sees very very well and we're very grateful for that but it was hard it was hard going to children's hospital and she's just a little little thing and and she has no idea what's going to happen but I do and they I gotta be strong for Renee and be strong for Brittany and but when she would go behind those doors I I had to walk away because I couldn't handle that and um and I would feel fear, and I'd feel anxiety. And, but the one thing that really helped me through those times was I would visit the other floors in Children's Hospital. And when I got into some of those, especially the, <clears throat> the terminal wards with these little kids, and they're all dying, and um, I realized, I didn't have any problems. My daughter was still alive. And yes, she had some challenges with her eyes, but at least I still had her. But these others, there was no hope there. 
And when, when you get outside of your comfort zone, and when you start investing in other people's lives, I don't care how lousy you think you have it, I promise you there's a bunch of people that got it a lot worse than you and I do. And when you see that, you learn to be grateful for what you do have. <clears throat> the Bible doesn't say for everything, but it says in everything, you give thanks. <clears throat> that's, I'm telling you, that's, that's critical for you to understand that. <clears throat> and it's just, there's, there's, a, there's a whole process going on here. And, and, and so I'm grateful for all the medical people, but I know they are limited. And where they stop, he begins. And, and I've always lived that way and will continue to live that way the rest of my life. It just saddens me when I see this story of this king that started out depending on God and praying and asking for the help of the Lord. But in the end, he, he, literally the gout became so bad, it, it, it literally took his life. And, and it, it was like, these are the acts of Asa. First and last. Here's how he started. Here's how he stopped. Let me take you to another guy. His name is Manasseh. Manasseh's life is the, is the, the diametrical opposite of Asa's. Asa had a great, great uh, situation. He, he had a lousy dad, but he had a great God. Manasseh, his, his dad's name was Hezekiah. And if you know much about the Old Testament at all, Hezekiah is a big deal. And he's, he's, he's a godly, godly king. And, and, but he had a boy by the name of Manasseh. And when you read about Manasseh, here's how it starts out. Here's 2 Chronicles 33 and verse 2. But did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abomination of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out. Before the children of the... Every, everything Hezekiah built up during his lifetime. His boy destroyed. It, it, this is what it says in verse 6 about this guy, Manasseh. He caused his children to pass through the fire. This, this is a horrible... horrible. If, you, if you read the Old Testament, you're, you're, you're going to find a name pops up on the radar again and again. Baal, B-A-A-L. Baal was the god of fire. Um, ultimately, it would, that worship would migrate into Carthage, um, ancient history. If, it, the, there's a famous Carthaginian ruler, leader by the name of Hannibal. Hannibal was the guy with the elephants, you know, that tried to go through the Alps and, and it, craziness. But uh, he, had, he literally had war elephants. And, but if you look at his name, his name is usually spelled H-A-N-N-I-B-A-L. But that's not really the way it is. It's H-A-N-N-I-B-A-A-L. The name of his God was in his name. It's not Hannibal, it's Hannibal. And, and th this thing might morphs unto something known as the worship of the god Molech. And the way you served that god of fire was if you wanted the blessing of God on your life, you took your firstborn child and they would build a huge fire in a public place. And as a sign of loyalty and f to your God, you would take your firstborn baby and throw that baby into that fire. 
It's, I don't know how you wrap your mind around that. That's, that's, that's all kinds of evil. And Manasseh allowed this to go on in that nation. And it, it just, but, but, but this is the act of Manasseh first. First. Listen, listen to Second Chronicles 33 and verse 12. And when he was in affliction, he sought the Lord and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him and he was entreated of him and God heard his supplication and brought him again to his kingdom and then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. I I, I, I found this years ago and I forgot about it until I was studying this week but this is the end of that story. It's in 2 Chronicles 33 and 18. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer and the words of the prophets that spoke to him in the name, they're written in the book of Kings. His prayer also, how God entreated of him, his sin, his trespass, the places where he built, the groves, the images. It's like he gets to the end of his life. And this is what the Bible says. These are all of the acts of Manasseh, first and last, and his prayer. It's like, whatever you do, don't ever forget that prayer that that very evil man prayed. That prayer is still recorded in the Bible for us to, to read and to get faith from. Because what it's supposed to teach us is, I, I don't care how filthy you get. If you can find a place of repentance, God will show you mercy. <laughs> we, I use this example every night. We, we could have the greatest church service in the history of church. I mean, just it's like, they, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I've, I've seen that happen one time in my life where literally every adult or child of any, every one of them filled with the, it was, I, I won't forget that service. I, I've never seen that happen again. But it could happen again. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We could have one of those services, one of them gully washers where the presence of God just comes in and just burglarizes your will. And just whether you're ready or not, here I come. Wham! Just to where you, Job talked about the hairs on the, have you ever been in the presence of the Lord and the hair on your neck stand up? I've had that happen before. You can have that happen. I'll tell you how you get that. Get in a room alone, turn out the lights, get in that room alone, And with as much conviction as you know how to say, you just do this, Jesus. With as much feeling and as much emotion and faith as you can well up, you do that three times. I promise you, something will happen in you. To me, when I do that, the hair in the back of my neck stands up. (sighs) Hair in my forearms stands up. Because we, we could have the greatest church service today in the history of church and after church you walk out there underneath that porch and Satan's there 
And this is what he's not going to say. Um, I'd like you to be in my club and my crew. However, you're way too clean and you're way too holy. I'm going to give you about a mandatory seven-day cooling off period. I'll come to you next week so that you could, because you're too clean to be with us. Not a chance. I, I promise you, you could have the greatest encounter with God that you've ever experienced. And immediately after that, Satan will take you if you're willing to follow him. Why then, when we mess up and do something stupid and we try to pray, do we think God says, you're way too filthy for my clean church? I'm going to put you on probation for about six weeks. I want you to memorize a chapter every day. I want some penance here. I want tithe plus tithe plus tithe, 30% for the next, you know, three months on on. I'm going to make you jump through all these hoops and climb over all these hurdles. And then maybe, maybe then I'll allow you to feel just a little bit of my presence. Not a chance. <clears throat> here's, here's the lesson. If Satan will take you at your best, Jesus will take you at your worst. And if, if you don't believe that, then we're preaching a Satan that wants you more than a Savior. And I don't believe that at all. And, and I, can, I, 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 got, I found at least nine places in the Bible that, 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 that <laughs> it says, and these were their acts first and last. I, 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 do you get what I'm saying? Here, here's, I could tell you about David. David started out as a man after God's own heart and he ended strong. I tell you about Solomon. This is, this is what it says in 2 Chronicles 9 and 29. Now the rest of the acts of Solomon, first and last. Are they not written? If you know about Solomon, this is the way he started. He's George Jones. You know, I'm a hillbilly kid, so I'm country western. You know, it's like that Blues Brothers movie. You know, they they they, they asked they, they asked this lady, "What kind of music do you have here?" And she said, "Oh, honey, we have both country and western." And uh, I just I, I was raised hillbilly music when I was a kid, and 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 I, I just. Uh, George Jones wrote a song years ago called Who's Gonna Fill Their Shoes and Who's Gonna Stand That Tall? Who's Gonna Sing at the Opry and the Wabash Cannonball? Who's Gonna Give Their Heart and Soul to Get to Me and You? Lord, I wonder who's gonna fill their shoes. And the same thing that went on in country music has gone on in gospel music and on and on you can go. The elders are all dead, they're all gone. Somebody's going to have to step up to the plate and try and keep the thing going. That's the overwhelming feeling. That's the mental model of Solomon. He's, he's following the greatest king of all times, his daddy. And this is what he prays. God, I'm a child. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. I, 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 I'm not asking you for money. I'm not asking you for fame. All I'm asking, would you please be merciful and give me wisdom? to be able to lead and guide these people the way they should be. 
And, and there's two wonderful things there because the Lord spoke to him and said, because you didn't ask for money and because you didn't ask for fame, I'm going to give those to you and I'm going to give you wisdom as well. And if you read the Bible, it said, when they heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. So the whole civilized world knew who he was. And yet he had let them all know that if the reason I have what I have, the reason I am what I am, and the reason I'm able to do what I do is because of the God that I serve. He associated everything that was good in his life with the God that he served. That's that's the way, the, the other thing that's powerful to me about it, if you read it, Solomon prayed that prayer while he was asleep. He, 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 he just think of that, you know, when, you, when you're laying down asleep, your eyes might not be working, your ears might not be working, but your spirit doesn't go to sleep. It, it can literally, God can literally have access to your spirit when you're asleep sometimes better than when you're awake. And Solomon prayed that prayer while he was asleep and when he woke up, God instantly started giving him wisdom to know how to divide the baby and all that kind of stuff. It was amazing. But when you get to the end, it said he loved many women. He's got over a thousand women. And, 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 and this is way beyond a lust thing. This is a political thing. If you're married to somebody's daughter, they're less likely to go to war with you. And so he's marrying the, the, the family of all of these different kings, but they're kings that don't serve God. And they've got all these crazy religions and all this idolatry and all these. And, and he allows all that to come into Israel. And you get to, the, to, to, to this book called Ecclesiastes, which Solomon is credited with writing. And he said, all of it's vexation of the soul. He said, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. And, and I, I, I used to believe that for a long time, but the more I realized who was writing this, he called himself the preacher. And so I, I remember teaching you a lesson one time called, called the, uh, the, the, the message of a backslid preacher, because here's Solomon who said, there, there's nothing new. It's just going to be repetition. It's just going to be retreads. It's just going to be the same old stuff with a bandaid on it. But that's not true. There was a new covenant coming. There was a new gospel coming. There was a new, new birth coming. There were lots of new things coming, but <clears throat> he was stuck. You, you just can't, you can't get into that mindset of listening to these backslid preachers. It's just, they, they, there's no hope there. There's, you know, when, when I was a kid, you preach people into hell. People come into church, you put them in hell. They get afraid, they come to the altar, and, and, and they have an experience with God. But, 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 but you know, I, I, someone rebuked me not too long ago. Why, 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 why don't you preach about hell? And I said, I don't have to anymore. And, and they said, well, because people live in hell. My job as a pastor is not to preach you into hell. My job is to preach you out of hell. My job is to somehow bring hope and faith in this room for people to understand I don't have to keep living the way I've been living. This is called a pulpit. But for me, my job is to pull you out of the pit with the word of God. That's, that's, that's what I think is going on here. And, 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 and what you have to realize is, is, is here's, here's Solomon. He, he started out great, but, but the first part of it was good, but the last part of it was lousy. 
And, and, I, and I, I've been pestering for years and I've seen it all. I've seen people that started out bad, but, but ended really good. I've seen people that started out good and ended really bad. I've seen people that started out bad and stayed bad. I've seen people that started out good and stayed good. I'm just, Carter Wisdom, this kid I just mentioned. I mean, this kid's 18 years old. This, this is a massive high school that he goes to. But, 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 but there he is, National Honor Society, class president, valedictorian, captain of the football team. He's not marooned on some little self-righteous Pentecostal island and said, nobody wants what I have. I, it bothers me as a pastor when I see our children come to an age and all of a sudden they fall off the end of the, uh, end, uh, end of the, of, of the, of the world because it starts out with friends. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Okay, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's that simple. It bugs me when I see people being raised in church and all of a sudden I watch them, wrong kind of friends. And then it's the wrong boy and then it's the wrong girl and then it's a lousy marriage and then kids show up and then there's a divorce and on and on. Listen to me again. America's weak because America has weak churches. Churches are weak because they have weak families. Families are weak because they have weak fathers. If we can strengthen dads, if we can fix the father's situation, Situation. We can fix the family, we can fix the church, and we can impact this country. And, and I'm almost done, but my message to you is, is very, very simple. It's just every tombstone in a graveyard has something in common. I, every tombstone I've ever seen has one thing that every one of them have, and it's a little hyphen between the dates. Here's when they were born, there's a little slash, here's when they died. And that's little slash, that little hyphen, that's the difference. What are you gonna do with that time between you were born and the time you check out? I'm telling you, there's coming a time when all of us, and these are his acts, first and last. How, what's gonna be written about me? What's gonna be written about you? I may be speaking to somebody right here right now that you didn't start out so good, but you can end good. Yes, you can. You can end good. For God's sakes, if you're doing good, don't end bad. You know? Listen, listen to this verse. Here's an old man by the, by, by, by the name of Jacob. This is Hebrews 11. One of the last verses we have about this very famous man. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed his grandsons and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. The old dude's dying, man. But he's still got enough strength and faith to, to, to be leaning on a stick. But he's still going to be worshiping. That's the way you want to end. That's because, listen, you know, these are his acts first and last. Let me tell you what, what, what John said in the book of Revelation. I heard a voice behind me and the voice said, I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. The God that we serve can take care of the beginning and he can take care of the ending. And there's a, there's a lie. There's a lie in Christianity. It's called unconditional eternal success security. Calvinism is the technical phrase. It means once you're saved, you're always saved. It's, it's a wonderful theory. I wish it was true, but it's not true. I'll tell you the first story in the Bible. They're in the garden. They disobey the word of the Lord. They get booted out. That doesn't sound like unconditional eternal security to me. It sounds to me like you can stay there as long as you obey the word of the Lord. That's why it says, he, it doesn't say, it's he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. 
I, I, I don't know where you are. Take a, take, a, take, take a long, honest, hard look at your life right now. And where are you with your walk with God? Where are you? I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about education. Where are you in your walk with God right now? And I'm begging you, pleading you. I'll do anything I can to encourage you. Listen, there's going to be a first and there's going to be a last. You've got to make sure at the end you finish strong. Stand. You've got to make sure at the end you finish with faith. Yeah. All right? My daddy's 94. 94. He hasn't been in church for several months. I, 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 I don't know if my dad will ever be able to be back in this building. But I do know this, that when my mother had a heart episode recently, and it was just him and I, Renee was with mother in the hospital. My dad, who is experiencing what they call the long goodbye, and we're dealing with dementia. And where's your mom? Um, she's at the doctor. Why? Uh, she had an episode with her heart. Oh, okay. Five minutes later, where's your mother at? Um, she's at the hospital, daddy. Renee took her to the hospital. Why, why, why is she there? Um, she's, she's got something not right with her heart. Oh, okay. Five minutes later, it's the same thing. And then it's 10 o'clock. It's time to go to bed. So I cut him up some fruit and I got him something to drink and I left the door to his bedroom open and I heard him get up and sit on the side of his bed and started to pray. I wish I would have recorded that prayer. Because I listened to my dad for over an hour just pour out his soul for his wife. He never repeated himself one time. He never, he never replicated anything. You see, he's prayed 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40, 50, 60, 70. Over 70 years, my dad had a consistent prayer life. And now, at this season of his life, it's like a needle dropping into that that groove in a record, and it just plopped into that prayer, and Paul, there he was again, just as lucid, and just as sane, and just as fresh. It, it, was, it was stunning just to listen to him pray, and they prayed for an hour, and then he began to sing verse after verse of old songs that I had forgotten, but he had not forgotten. Not just the chorus, the verse again and again, and then he'd worship praying. I was like, so I'm not worried about my daddy, see, because... He's going to finish strong. Come with me. Come with me around here. Oh, Jesus. Both of these services have been excellent today. The first service, we had something very special happen. Somewhere in this crowd is, crowd is Talisha Gibbs. Talisha. Many of you have heard her testimony just to have the courage to stand in front of a crowd and, and recount. She should have been destroyed. Talisha should be on a human garbage dump somewhere. Should have been, could have been, might have been. Got a burden a couple years ago to start something called Heart. Healing the effects of abortion-related trauma. All of a sudden, one church heard about it. Then another hospital heard about it. Then another hospital heard about it. Now it's at least in three languages that I know of. 
baptize somebody in the first service that's gone through a class tomorrow night at prayer. We're gonna baptize another young woman that's gone through this thing. I don't know where all this is going. I just, I just know there's a lot of hurting people out there, folks. And I learned a long time ago that hurt, hurting people end up hurting people because they don't know what to do with it. Oh, the value of a church. Oh, the value of serving God. To just have some godly friends, some brothers and sisters. Oh, I want you to lift your hands with me right now. We're going to worship the Lord for a moment. These people are going to sing. I want you to invite. Can you, can you pray the prayer of Manasseh? Oh, God. God, would you hear my prayer today? Would you forgive me? Would you hear my repentance? First and last, we're all going to have to have them, ladies and gentlemen. What are you going to do with them? Jesus' name.